Welcome to the Doubled Up Podcast, the weekly podcast talking all things trainers, sneakers, kicks, creps, whatever you call them, wherever you are in the world. I'm Matt and with me as he is every single week is Scott. Scott, how you doing, mate? Oh, up and down week. An up and down week on uh, oh, just a lot of pain. Oh, mate, I, <sighs> I feel like... When you were going through this whole, like, uh, veggie January, the first couple of times I heard you come on the podcast and you were kind of, like, having a bit of a moan and a grunt, it kind of fed into the narrative. Like, I said, guarantee by the end of the month, you're going to be moaning because you haven't had any meat this month. Now I just feel a bit sorry for you. Like, now I just feel bad. (laughs) It's, It's the thing. It genuinely wasn't, towards the end of the month, anything to do with the fact that I wasn't eating meat. Yes, I did celebrate with a very large steak on the pretty much the first day after um, of February. But no, this is literally my knee uh, made of glass, as uh, some listeners like to point out. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, but it's just falling apart. Um, it's <laughs> and I've got to wait two months until I have any results whatsoever. Um, thanks to the lovely. Uh, underfunded nhs Um, we love them but there we are so i've got i've got my pain relief in the form of alcohol next to me which hopefully will help but um yeah nah but on on the positive football school team won the league happy days there's got to be some positive from the week so there we are my question to you scott is the kid that hit you in the leg with a chair is he on the football team no because he was only five All right. I don't know. I don't know. You <laughs> coaching football like that, that, five year olds. No, play no. Uh, we don't. They they can, but not not to a relatively competitive level. I mean, they're still learning how to throw and catch at that age. So kicking is. It it, it would be an interesting watch. Um, I'm sure, but um, you probably wouldn't get too much out of it. So no, it's um, he was definitely not in that team, unfortunately. Although you do get the good one where it's like last game of the season going to win the league potentially kids off school violently ill apparently and then you get a phone call it's like he's not in school he's not very well but he thinks he's well enough to come and play football oh of course he of is course. of course he is of course sorry <laughs> unfortunately as much as i would like to let you play um i don't think it's quite right so there we are yeah We've all done it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Kids will never learn. Kids will never learn. But uh, no. what, uh, now, we've, now we've had our weekly uh, story time with Scott. Baby! Uh, we'll move on to our guest. Our guest is patiently waiting in the wings, hearing you kind of ramble on. And also, our guest must be a little bit weirded out because currently where our guest is, it is uh, just, it's just hit one o'clock in the afternoon. They're in the middle of their working day. And Scott, you're sat there on Zoom drinking red wine. So uh, I'm pretty sure our guest is getting a little bit like freaked out right now. But <laughs> we have another returning guest. I feel as if 2022 so far, Scott, has just basically been like a replay of 2021, but in the best possible way, because for a lot of it, <laughs> we've just been spending time talking to guests um, that were with us last year uh that is the comeback year but uh our guest this uh this week very special friend of ours yeah <laughs> all the way from my favorite country in the whole entire world aka canada uh please welcome back to the podcast uh at matt o m t l matt welcome to the podcast mate hello boys pleasure to be back 
Like anytime I any time I get to have someone from my favourite country in the world on the podcast, it's a happy day. It's a happy day. How are you, mate? <laughs> I'm humbled. Thank you, thank you. Uh I'm I'm doing great. Uh Scott, I can't identify with your pain nor with your wine drinking in the middle of my day. But I can identify with your vegetarian struggles that you've been having over the past God knows how many weeks now. Um, I just had to suffer through, what is it, weeks of eating vegetarian, like tofu replacing the meat in all of the foods that I've been having. Oh no, we've 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 gone past that. I hope I mean maybe Canada will catch up, but UK tofu is not a replacement for everything. Thank God, because that stuff is all. I just gotta say, my dad's on this this wave, uh, this wave of following like yogis and yoga and all this stuff, and he's like, we should be replacing a lot more stuff with <laughs> tofu, you know. So when I eat with them, it's like it's I'm always eating this tofu replacing chicken and butter chicken, and it's, it's and it's so bad. I, anyway, oh, I see. What I love is the fact, so, um, yeah, my fiancé is vegetarian, and when I kind of took it back to my family and my mum was like, right, I'm going to have to get vegetarian food in. The problem is now, it's all vegetarian. I've been with her for, what, five years, and my mum has basically solely been feeding my dad vegetarian food, and he solely pins the blame on me. He's like, you have done this, this is your fault, because he's he quite enjoys his meat, he quite enjoys a good steak, pie, anything like that, but no... He's now being fed salad, to which he absolutely despises. So, uh, yeah, it's we're, we're safe whenever we go around, but my dad is, yeah. His mood has got progressively worse over the past few years, and I, I think that might be why. Wow. I mean, I love the fact that we've started the, uh, the, the, the Sneakers podcast with you guys comparing notes on how being <laughs> vegetarian is. Um, but uh, nonetheless... I, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. We're embr- uh, we will embrace it. Uh, as we said in the intro, though, Matt, you were obviously with us last August. Um, you graced us with your presence uh, to, to come on, tell our listeners a little bit about your sneaker history, also the brands that you created, which I'm always constantly saying wrong, Volker. Uh, I can't quite roll the R and get the pronunciation like you do, but uh, I try my best. Um, but yeah, for anyone that hasn't listened to the previous episode, go back and have a little listen to Matt's episode. Matt uh, joined us uh, back in, I think it was the episode that aired on the 3rd of August. So it was right at the beginning of August, 2021. Uh, Matt Matt came on to talk all about um, his sneaker history, the release of his very first independent shoe, which was the Spicy Tuna collection or capsule from his brand Volker, which released, yeah, the 7th of August last year. So, Matt, uh, that it would be silly not to have that as our starting point. Obviously, we've spoken to you since then, and Scott got a pair of your shoes and everything like that, but... You are officially, you have your own shoe out there. People are wearing your shoes on their feet. That must feel amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's, man, you're digging back. That was episode 35. We were at least six months ago. Um, I'm glad you remembered the episode number because I couldn't. So, uh, uh, <laughs> I have Google to thank. If you, I have if you Google so. to thank for that. So. Oh, there we go, there we go. Um, yeah, no, um, first release was great. A lot of, you know, uh, important lessons learned and things there uh, that you carry over. And I mean, you're always learning, right? I mean, you know, personal life, professional life, you know, hobbies and things like this. You're always learning and you're always improving your craft and um, you take those with you moving forward. So uh, I think we learned some cool stuff and I'm excited to share the next collection here with you guys uh, today. Like I said, 
I finally found a cadence that works for Volcar for me. Um, you know, uh, it's about a six month cadence. Every six months or so, I'm going to try and do uh, one release coming into the winter and one release um, uh, for the summer. And then, um, and, and, uh, and that's it. So. Well, we're going to be talking about your next collection, which hopefully is going to be dropping uh, soon um, in a little while. Uh, but last time we spoke, I can't remember whether we actually talked about it on the uh, episode, but I know we were talking beforehand and afterwards and you already kind of had this uh, theme in your head and you were already working through some of the design work for this collection. So does that mean you're already working on winter 2022? Is that already kind of, are you starting to get that those thoughts where you're thinking next season and next season and so on and so forth? Yeah, you actually never design for the current season. You're always designing, in my case, you're always designing a season ahead, but you're, you know, that's why everybody, you know, when they're like, Nike, why did, you know, why did this come out then? Or why has this been so long delayed? And I mean, with supply chain issues, <laughs> those, those put a wrench in the gears of things that are already planned way in advance, pushing things completely off schedule that have been planned possibly two years in advance or more. Um, so yeah, no, I have my next, the next sneaker already in, um, in the works, talking with uh, some new manufacturers as well. So I'm uh, going to shake things up a bit. Very, very exciting. I mean, funnily enough, you were just saying there about like delays and, and throwing spanners in the works and things like this. I think earlier on today, I was um, looking on Instagram and good friend of the podcast, Kaf, um, sharing his wisdom on upcoming releases. And I had to like rub my eyes in shock that on his stories today, there was coming in February, Adidas Christmas Superstars. And I was like, well, that's just like, uh, yeah. that, that's throwing a spanner in the works, isn't it? Like, surely they come out and go straight on the sales ready for Christmas 2022. Mm. Like, yeah. Adidas would just be fools not to let it drop and just drop at a reduced price. Because no one's spending full price on Christmas Superstars at late February. Well, I mean, there was um, there was a post from Leon about his shoe. Um and yeah, the Avery ambition was they were saying that it was like the factory shut down because of COVID. So that that's an issue. And I mean, one of our sleeper picks from probably about five months ago now, the uh, Air Max 90 Terrascape is still yet to release. <laughs> it's still yet like apologies to anybody that got excited from that because it's still not here. <laughs> and genuinely months ago. Um but yeah, clearly affecting everybody. <laughs> oh dear. But anyways, we're not here to talk about other designers and other brands, Matt. We are here to talk about you and Volker. Um, you said a moment ago that from the first uh, release, 100% we'll get into the into the next collection in just a little while, but I'd be a fool not to ask. You said there that the first release went really, really good. You learned some lessons. And as you said, we're always learning and always looking to improve. Um do you mind kind of giving us a, a little bit of break, a little bit of a breakdown on maybe what were some of the kind of shining moments? What were some of your proudest moments from the first release you had, the Spina, uh, Spicy Tuna Collection, and what were some of those lessons learned? If anyone is listening, before you do that, sorry, if anyone's listening to this episode and has no idea what these shoes look like, make sure that you are going onto Matt's Instagram. Um, so as we said at the beginning, um, it is Matt at Matt O O H M T L. Um, on Instagram, and the brand is at Volker. Volker is V-O-L-E-C-O-E-U-R with an underscore at the end. And you can see all the previous releases on there. So go make sure that you're going and checking that out. But yeah, what were some of the, the shining moments and what were some of those lessons learned, mate? 
Yeah. So in terms of, uh, I'll try and go with what, what, what was very interesting came off the first release and then uh, segue into what, what's coming up for the next one and how that kind of worked its way into the next release. Um, off the first release, I learned that um, people definitely really loved the storytelling. They appreciated the storytelling, but the amount of time it took to continue telling people the story was actually it's kind of weird, but it was time consuming. Like it, it took a lot of time to explain the story. So I said, okay, I've got to make the actual telling of the story a little bit more concise, clear, and and thorough. Okay. So this time around, I die I put that all together in um inside the packaging so that essentially people will be able to understand the story as soon as they get the sneakers in hand. Um, I also did um lookbook pictures this time around, which I didn't have in the last one. Um, I feel like people definitely gravitate towards sneakers. You know, a beauty shot of a shoe is great, but when they see it on foot, they say, okay, I can rock that. That's how I could wear it. Um, and seeing people style it differently gives uh, inspiration and, and can really help people pull the trigger on the purchase. So um, I found that that was, was a, an important lesson to learn as well. Uh, in terms of the influencer marketing, I mean, that was another thing that I learned in terms of being purposeful with your seating, uh, or at least a little bit more purposeful with your seating. Um, and instead of trying to do a wide blanket. So, um, you know, and that's going to change for every brand I've done, you know, I work in public relations. So, uh, I, I even did this for a sneaker that came out before, but I had corporate backing, corporate resources and things like that. When you're doing it on your own, every seed has to count. And if somebody just posts it on an Instagram story, You've wasted quite a bit of investment sending that person a sneaker, um, you know, if they're not invested in, in, you know, if they don't identify with your brand and, and, and are, you know, it, it, it's, it's a poor investment. So essentially uh, reassessing where that, where those seeds are growing. And, uh, and yeah, so, so how all of this relates to the next release Um we, we can jump into that if you guys want. Uh, and yeah, I was I was going to say 100%. Tell us a little bit about because this is going to be your second shoe. Uh, start, I suppose, let's start right at the beginning. Tell the listeners a little bit about what your second shoe is going to be, um, inspiration. Let's kind of really start from the beginning because the first shoe, the Spicy Tuna, was kind of a, um, a, a, a high um, kind of basketball shape uh, shoe, flat sole, kind of a bit of an old school basketball looking shoe. Um obviously not basketball in themed it was themed by sushi but uh, that kind of style um you've switched it up a little bit this time so tell us a little bit about what this collection is and yeah take it take it from the top mate yeah so that was actually another it's a good thing that you mentioned the high top that was another lesson that i learned was um uh, people are actually moving you know away from high tops and as much as you want to be an individual uh with your independent brand and things like that and break trends break molds trend set um you actually have to follow the trends in a way, because the thing is you could be shooting yourself in the foot if moon boots were not cool, which actually they are coming back. But if moon boots weren't cool and you started making a moon boot, <laughs> uh, did you really do your market research? You know? Yeah. So, so, um, so essentially you do have to pay attention to the trends and just find ways to, you know, the way I like to think about this is uh, find the box, then think outside of it, but at least find the box. You know, because otherwise you're thinking outside of just <laughs> your own box you and you could be completely, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then you could be completely disconnected from the customer. So, um, yeah, so that, that was an important thing. So for this release, I went from high top to low top. Um, and as you guys know, story is at the center of every single Volker release. And this release is absolutely no exception. Um, 
the first release was kind of uh, an ode to the art of crafting sushi. Um, this time, the story revolves around the story of Chinese Canadians and Chinese Americans who uh, essentially were immigrants. They came to Canada and the United States. They came to our respective countries and built the Canadian Pacific Railway and the Transcontinental Railroad, which connected our respective countries, literally connected them together, unifying us and encouraging social growth. And this is something I think we need to remember right now because of the, the rise of Asian targeted racism due to the pandemic, you know, Stop Asian Hate really inspired me to tell this story that I feel like a lot of people either didn't grow up knowing or, or just have forgotten. Um, and one of the reasons why this hit me so close to home was there's a, uh, a temple near my, near where I live. And the statues were vandalized at the front of the temple. I think there were two foo dogs and um, they came from China, like legitimate crafted in China statues. And they were destroyed. The, the person went and smashed them up with a uh, crowbar and baseball bat or whatever it was. They, they destroyed these statues. And I talked to the old man who runs the place, like seriously old man, like walks hunched over and everything like this guy couldn't have, stopped anybody who came in to, to mess up you know this temple or anything yeah and he says yeah the the insurance will cover it but he's like but well, i can't get the, i can't get these back you know from china like these are heritage there, there's a value to these it's cultural and heritage uh, rooted and that you know you can't just recreate that um that's lost and i found that that was such a disgusting display of racism that that um you know, was floating around in political echo chambers and stuff from our neighbors and from ourselves, from our own country. And, and I said, we, we, this, not that, not that this has to stop, this shouldn't exist. Um, and it definitely, it doesn't, and it shouldn't in the sneaker community. I said, we all, regardless of political, spiritual, cultural, racial, whatever our creed is, we all unite through sneakers and streetwear. You know, we all find common ground there. And I said, well, that's what this next story is going to be. I'm going to be telling this story on common ground um, and hopefully get everybody to kind of just unify everybody again um, through the collection. Yeah. And I think I'm not going to do it any justice by even beginning to think about this uh, kind of the, um, the the story that's going behind. I know you've given us a little bit of an insight there on the story and things like this. Um, and I think this is one of the things that you're really pushing with your brands. I mean, again, if we go back to anyone that hasn't listened to um, the the previous podcast, it says in the in the bio of your Instagram page. Obviously, the translation from Volker is stolen heart. And you said last time about putting the heart back into the sneaker industry and that everything that you're doing is very purpose driven and trying to really tell stories. And um, similar to, to some of the other people we've spoken about, sometimes those stories can be lost and brands are just doing it to kind of get numbers and, and make sales and get people wearing their kicks on their feet. Um, but yeah, it's it's. A, hor a horrible story to hear that that's where the inspiration came from um but nonetheless it, it it sometimes it is those types of stories that bring out the best in design and storytelling and a good message that needs to be uh, uh portrayed so tell us a little bit about it so we've got the this is the railway collection like you said tell us a little bit about um what are the products in there what was part of the design process 
bring us into your kind of creative genius for this one. Sure thing. So this is the railway collection. Um, I'm releasing this. I'm releasing the 002 model, which is a sneaker. Um, the sneaker is a complete redesign from the first sneaker, of course. Um, it features as many period correct materials and colors as I could possibly put together um, for this sneaker. You have corduroys, you have denims, um, cashmere to emulate wool, you have uh, leathers and suede, And of course, even a custom rubber panel. Um, I'm gonna be releasing a, an infographic uh, sort of breaking down the behind the design on Instagram fairly shortly after this podcast released, uh, releases. And everybody will be able to see uh, where the inspiration for the certain cuts of the cuts in the, of the fabrics and the redesign and why I chose certain materials, where they went on the sneaker, um, the color palette that I use, why I use certain colors. Um, you know, I could break a lot of that down here, but I feel like it does, it won't do it justice. People have to see this. And that's essentially what, you know, coming back full circle to what I told you guys is one of the most important lessons that I learned is there is a big story and I can tell you all about it but it'll go in one ear and completely out the other because you'll retain one or two important things that I said, because just, it's not humanly possible to retain the 15 different elements <laughs> that are inside one sneaker. Yeah. Um, so you guys will be able to see that visually on Instagram. Um, so that's the sneaker. The sneaker comes with a railway spike hang tag. I have two of them here. I'm showing you guys on camera. And the railway spike, oh, cool. the railway spike hang tag comes with the pre-orders only, only. Um, these are all hand painted, hand distressed, hand finished, and affixed, of course, to the sneaker. You can wear it with or without. Uh, the, you know, on the sneaker, uh, they're not tacky. Have you have you you have you been sat on the anvil for hours on end making you, these? You know it. I mean, they're not made of metal; they're made of plastic. But <laughs> but figuratively speaking, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> um so so yeah so that's going to come in the packaging with the sneakers you're also going to come with a um as you guys know all my sneakers are story driven all of my releases are story driven and the packaging is no exception so the box that is going to be uh containing the sneaker is uh inspired by a toolbox so it's going to have uh like a sort of debossed um volcar logos on it in metal um a lock on it uh, not not real this is all going to be printed into the box but essentially it's a toolbox um style box which i think is going to be really nifty and uh included inside that we have a postcard the postcard looks like uh so the postcard on the back has a blueprint of what goes into the sneaker breaking it down so that everybody can really have that clear storytelling right there on the flip side of the postcard again it's it's like a postcard so on the flip side is where you would write and that is filled in with the message of the release um, so that people can kind of remember that and be able to share that um, so that the message doesn't get lost between reselling and, and stuff like that if it ever you know, goes on the secondary market. And there's a space up in the top corner of that postcard that's blank. Now, why would that space be blank, you might be asking yourself. Well, that brings us to the next piece in our collection, the toque or the hat or the beanie, however you want to call it. So we have a Volcar beanie where on the inside we have these little silk tags and the silk clothing tag on the inside has a postage stamp that you can oh, that's cool. cut off of the hat. Clever. You can cut it off the hat 
and it fits on the postcard inside the sneaker. So you can really flex that you've got the complete set. Uh, on the postage nice. stamp, you have in the shape of mist, the uh, red and white, which is for the Canadian flag. And on the opposite side, you have uh, blue, white, and red, um, which is the American uh, flag in the mists over the mountains and the railway um, between us. Um, just, uh, you know, for the design of the postage stamp. And up in the top corner of the postage stamp, you've got your little, you know, it would usually be like, you know, one penny, two cents, whatever, five cents yeah. stamps. This one's very expensive for some reason. It has $1 listed on it. Well, why would it be $1? You might be asking yourselves. I'm asking myself all these hypothetical rhetorical I love questions. The setup. I, honestly, I love the setup for every one of these. Like, uh, I am actually asking myself this. When you go, you might be asking why it's a dollar. I'm like, I am. You know exactly I, what I'm asking. I'm preempting. I'm preempting. I'm a mentalist. Um, and in that space where the currency is written, it's $1. Why would it be $1? Well, because $1 is approximately what the workers were earning for an entire day's worth of backbreaking dynamite uh, related work that they were doing, putting their lives on the line for a dollar a day. And then on top of that, the Chinese workers who were earning that single dollar a day had to pay for their clothing, their shelter, their food. And I'm talking you, shelter. You guys know what winter feels like, right? Like in a Canadian winter is just as bad, if not much worse. Um, and it's, you know, frostbite, all kinds of crazy stuff that, you know, they, they weren't prepared for when they came over to work on the railroad. Um, so, that, of course, they were spending their earnings on food, just on survival. What little they had left, they'd have to send back to their families. Um, so I created a postcard, you know, something that they might send back to their families. Um for the special packaging inside the box and it's interactive with the hat or the toque um, tag on the inside. The design of the hat itself is done in a blue that kind of um, matches the, the next piece in the collection, which I'll talk about. Um, it has um, an embroidered rail spike on the back and the, uh, the one of the slogans for this uh, collection that I picked out, which is uh, not just a number. Um, and I'll, I'll get into the meaning behind that in just a sec. On the flip side of the hat, you have the Volcar logo done in a sort of a box logo style, embroidered with a number underneath the Volcar logo. Now, you might be asking yourself, yes, what, I'm asking myself. <laughs> what does the number underneath the Volcar logo mean? Yeah. The Volcar logo in this collection is transposed as a number to commemorate all of the workers who have done this these, these really deadly tasks for poor pay, poor treatment, and, 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 and it's really to commemorate them here. Uh, so I said, um, you know, they were treated like numbers and they came in large numbers to connect an even larger number of people in this country. So we're going to transpose Volcar, V-O-L-E-C, et cetera, into numbers. So these are the numbers in terms of the letters uh, where they find uh. themselves in the English alphabet. Um, so we came up with a sequence of numbers to represent Volcar, and that's why on the back of the hat it says not just a number because we're actually not just a number. Um, these people were individuals who put their lives on the line to connect out, to unify us, and this is something, you know, we should be unifying ourselves again in this time of great, not just political divide, but, I mean, they've taken a health crisis and politicized it to, you know, socially, we're, we're quite divided right now, and I think this is a time where we need to remember um 
a story of unity. So that is the message there. Matt, every single time I talk to you, I always forget just how detail-oriented your um, kind of how your mind works because all these little things, it's like, of course, with a postcard, you're going to leave the stamp off. And of course, you're going to put the stamp in the hat. And of course, even with the stamp, you're going to make the clouds in specific colours to represent like... (laughs) When you just look at the... It seems obvious when you say it. (laughs) But it's it's like, when you think about it, like I said, you really do take design um, to another another level. And I know that you guys have... uh, I know that you said, sorry, that that the people listening to this, um, you don't want to go into too much detail with the shoe and things like this because they'll be able to actually see it on the Instagram and uh, a picture says a thousand words, as they say, right? So they'll be able to actually see the shoe and understand it a little bit better. I really hope for anyone that is listening to this, you are listening to this whilst scrolling through Instagram so you can see the pictures whilst hearing Matt talk about it because from from our perspective when you see initial initial images it just looks like a really clean shoe with some really cool colors and materials and it looks like some really cool merch and then when you break it down even more you think holy shit what have i just witnessed it's absolutely mental so yeah it, it blows my mind every time chatting with you mate it I, happens every time listen i really i do appreciate it i mean the, the you know the recognition of the stories makes me feel just as good as seeing people get it in hand so i do appreciate it um uh, and I'll, I'll cap this off here with the last two pieces in the collection, which are two sweaters. Um, this one sweater, so they're all, they're hundred percent cotton sweaters. Um, they fit slightly oversized, um, but not, but they're not, you know, they're, they're kind of baggy, but I'd say you're supposed to get true to size and they will fit, yeah, yeah. they will fit you in the right, in the way that they're intended to be styled. Um, yeah. so on the front, you'll have your Volcar logo with the number transposed underneath, um, as the one of the uh, adapted logos for the collection. And on the back, of course, between the shoulder blades, you have a nice big Volker heart logo um, stamped right there. Um, the blue sweater, so we have it in blue and we have it in beige. The blue sweater is uh, slightly distressed. So you'll notice like a, a, a kind of a, you know, color difference um, between the front chest and the back uh, towards the, the rest of the sweater. Um, it's made to kind of have a bit of a gradient effect, which is, uh, Again, I felt distressed, vintage, um, you know, workwear was the inspiration here. So I felt that distressed and vintage really worked for the aesthetic of this collection. Uh, and that's why I chose a fairly muted color palette. So this blue gray with a bit of distressing um, on it looks real nice, I, I believe. And then for the beige sweater, uh, we have that uh, just kind of inverted. So we have the beige sweater with a, um, a blue uh, logo on the front, blue on the back. Uh, but of course, you don't see distressing as well on beige as you do on blue. Yeah. But they are both um, slightly um, uh, not distressed, but kind of uh, I would say a bit like acid wash. Um, that's that's how they were treated. So yeah, yeah, made, made to look a little bit worn, I guess. Yeah, exactly. All I can imagine right now in Matt's head is just kind of the angel singing because all all I'm hearing here is vintage, distressed, kind of retro style and And oh my god they are words that we all associate with matt yeah if we were to yeah yeah i i get uh uh, matt i get stick on a regular basis from scott about uh if it's not vintage if it's not distressed i don't want it so uh, i feel like if you were to 
I feel like these two shoes are very Maybe much it's a matte thing. Maybe it's a matte of, thing. It, well, I feel like both of them, like the first one, bright colours, kind of, yeah, patterns, is very much a me thing. Like, I love my patterns and kind of my bold colours. And this one is definitely, it's a low top. It's, yeah, it, the, everything about it is just, I mean, I think these are absolutely fantastic as well. But definitely, the more you talk, the more I'm sat here thinking, this is a bit of matte. I designed. I designed with each one of you guys in mind. I said, "Well, now I've, no, I've got Scott. Though, now I got to do Matt." And <laughs> who's going to be? Yeah, who's going to be the lucky person to get the third? Maybe you, you can design one for yourself for the third, mate. There we go. We'll let you design one for yourself. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, yeah, again, mate, you absolutely blow blow us away with every every single time you uh, you come absolutely on here and, and talk about a shoe. Um, are there any other final things that you want to kind of talk to? I, I'm I'm conscious that we want to try and keep as much kind of relatively secret as we can we don't want to spend hours going into because as you said lesson learned we want to make sure that we're we're letting the the product do the the talking essentially so we won't dive into too many details but what do you want to leave the listeners with to to to, to let them know where they can see images and where they can buy the shoe and things like this yeah that's it so i'll just add one more detail here before i cap it off is that um you know the 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 not just a number and transposing the the logo as a number here to represent the the workers is um you know they were treated like a number they were pushed outside of photo opportunities when 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 there were photo ops to show off the progress on the railroad the white workers were put center stage and they pushed the asian workers off to the side none of them in, included in the photos even though they they made up at least 90 percent of the workforce on, on these, I'm talking specifically here about the Canadian Pacific Railway, but it was quite similar situation as well in the transcontinental railway in the US. And, um, you know, this is in, in the late 1800s and, and it was the white business owners who had the shovel in their hands. Clearly they didn't do shit except stick that in for the photo and then thank you, brush off their hands and walk away. Um, but the, the Asian workers were kicked off to the side. And I said, well, no, for this collection, they're going to take center stage. So literally the subjects that, that I photographed here for the lookbook um, images to style these photos, um, I, ch I took uh, Chinese subjects, um, one male, one female, and they were able to pull off the looks. They did an excellent job. Um, Mylene and Jazz, shout out to you guys if you're listening to this right now, did an excellent job um, modeling the collection. I'm just excited for people to see um, you know, some Chinese subjects take center stage for this collection. And um, I've also, I'm also focusing on Chinese content creators to get their hands on this project um, first. So I'm also, you know, issuing a call to Chinese content creators who are interested if they want to check out the collection, feel free to send me a DM, feel free to send me a message and, uh, you know, let's chat. Absolutely amazing. But uh, yeah. what about uh, uh, kind of, release then so um yeah release uh, details when are you when are you expecting this to to kind of maybe not necessarily release information i mean if you if you have it, it kind of release dates that would be uh, amazing but tell us a little bit more about what you have coming up in regards to to, to marketing and kind of when pre-orders and things that like this can happen sure thing so the sneaker is going to be available similar to the spicy tuna in pre-order so that everybody who wants a pair can get a pair all pre-orders will come with the same special packaging as you know every collection does, um, but they'll come with the the handcrafted um, uh, railway spike hang tags, um, and uh, and yeah, so that's going to go up on that's going to go up next week. Um, you're going to get full images, full looks um, at the collection 
on Monday the 14th, which is when I believe that our podcast here will be going up. 100%, yep. So you guys will be able to go to at Volcar underscore on Instagram, and you'll be able to see um, some of the lookbook pictures and reveal photos of the sneaker. And uh, it'll, it should be going up on the Friday or so of that week, the pre-orders. Uh, they'll be retailing for 240 Canadian, um, which if I do it very quick, CAD to pounds, 240 is, let's just see that. It's, it's maybe 130 <laughs> or so, let's see, 240. I like how me and Scott are sat here not helping whatsoever. We've got, I have no idea what, what Canadian what? dollar is, so we're just going to let you struggle. It, 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 <laughs> it still confuses it's, me, the difference between Canadian and American <laughs> us dollars like it just i don't know why but it still does yeah it's approximately 140 yeah so yeah perfect i mean like i said i mean I, for, yeah I for, for, for the storytelling and the uh the shoe itself materials alone. i was gonna say uh yeah you'd be paying you'd be paying it, it way more for for way less if you were to go to uh a, a larger corporation shall we say yeah <laughs> so we're looking Images on the 14th and then pre-orders open on the 18th, the Friday. Yes, sir. Very, very exciting stuff. Well, hopefully, like you said, if you're listening to this episode and you're currently, uh, you are plugged in, scrolling through Instagram, thinking, holy shit, I need a pair of these shoes, uh, then you won't have long to wait. You'll be waiting until, like Scott said there, the 18th. And uh, (laughs) yeah, anyone that is thinking about it, um, Scott can uh, uh, Scott can 100% vouch for it after getting the spicy tuna. Quality is amazing. The design is always amazing. So make sure you buy these shoes. Um, I think on that note, probably a good idea for us to move on to our first main segment of today. So for anyone new listening to this podcast that has no idea what we're about to move on to, uh, we're about to move on to Shoes Rounds. Every single week we spend a little bit of time looking back, thinking uh, and reflecting on some of the biggest uh, news stories that have hit the world of sneakers. This week it is me taking this segment, so without further ado, I'll hand over to me for Shoes Rounds. Okay, Matt, you have been taken outside of the Doubled Up podcast studio and you are now in the Shoes Round studio. I am your lead anchor today and uh, I thought we'd start with a little bit of NFT talk, seeing as we kind of rounded up uh, 2021, me and Scott spending multiple weeks sounding like fucking idiots talking about something we have no idea about. I thought we'd continue that theme going into 2022 and continue to talk about something that we have no idea about because early Earlier on this week, um, or recently, um, we saw the uh, kind of release as such of the latest Nike and Artifact NFT drop. Now, I've been doing a little bit of reading about this, and it seems to be what originally was seen as an actual NFT drop seems to be that Nike and Artifact are actually preparing for their first NFT drop. Uh, Basically, what we saw earlier on this week, um, that uh, essentially customers of Artifact um, were uh, basically sent a copy of um, Nike's uh, uh, kind of release, which is going to be known as Monolith, spelled M-N-L-T-H, which essentially is kind of in the shape 
shape of a, a mystery box or known as a kind of loot box. Um, as I said, the NFT was sent out to previous customers of Artifact and the rest of them was sold um, uh, for a floor price, which I've only just found out what that is, um, for 5.6 ETH. Again, only really found out what ETH is, which was the equivalent of uh, just under $17,000, um, so $16,848. As I said, the box itself, uh, or sorry, the NFT itself, if you haven't seen it yet, is essentially um, what looks like a really, really fancy kind of granite, metally box uh, with uh, dual branding of Artifact and Nike. And I do believe that depending on which one you were given, uh, there were also some that had the, the Jordan logo on there, maybe even the um, Converse logo on there. But as I said, there, there is a little bit of confusion as to actually what these boxes are. My understanding and doing a little bit of reading and you guys actually might know a little bit more than me. Uh, my understanding is that these loot boxes are potentially going to be used as a way of essentially displaying um, the NFTs that the customers actually own. So it is going to be a little bit of a kind of a weird and wonderful release as we said this itself the box itself is not necessarily the nft it's going to be kind of used as a way of displaying uh, nfts that the owner owns um, but this seems to be happening really really quick um, it was only last year that i was mispronouncing artifact when we announced that uh, uh, artifact had been acquired by nike and there was that they were under the nike umbrella um, so it seems to be that nike have moved really really quickly um Matt, we sent this news story over to you and you said, oh, I'm glad you've picked this one because I know a little bit about NFTs. So rather than me passing this over to Scott and sounding like an absolute, uh, sorry, Scott. Please don't. Um, uh, yeah, please, I'm not going to pass over to you because we're both going to sound like idiots. <laughs> uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on this? Are you surprised of how quickly Nike have moved with this? Uh, how, what do you generally think about this particular uh, NFT release from Nike? So um, I work in the tech media space and we report on everything from computers to iPhones to whatever. And obviously you can't ignore Web3, uh, Web3, which is, you know, the wonderful world of the metaverse and crypto and Bitcoin and, uh, and NFTs and all that stuff. And I mean, this is an absolute no surprise to me. They just issued, a, you know, they just sued StockX for, for issuing NFTs. And I think yep. that what they wanted to do here was either it was because they were so close to releasing their own F NFT, NFT after buying Artifact outright, right? They bought their own NFT studio um, so that they could do this. I mean, for Nike, it's all upside. You know, they're paying developers instead of, you know, pardon my assumption, but sweatshops. I mean, they don't have to face as many yeah. humanitarian issues here. Um dealing with the digital world so for nike this is just it's all upside so it was no question you know no doubt in my mind that they were going to get into nfts and they did swingingly now they're here to defend their trademark and they got to set some precedent so they sue StockX. they say you guys cannot take photos of our shoes and sell them as nfts fine and then to to strengthen that argument they say these are our this is our first step into nfts boom because when you go to the court and you got to show them that you were that you had intentions to do this you're going to show them the receipt for buying the company that you did outright you're going to show them your own nfts that you started making and you're going to say well look StockX is doing exactly what we're doing it's going to cause market confusion it's going to infringe on our trademark it's all these things so they're going to be setting a precedent here which is interesting for for cryptocurrency and nft 
yeah, copyright. Very, uh, I suppose when you think about it that way, it does all kind of link. And I, I hadn't put the necessarily the two storylines together, and it does make complete sense that actually it was a matter of what a, a week or so ago that we were seeing again a, uh, a, a Nike headline. It, I think it was. I think the news drops the day after we recorded last week's podcast, which was a real shame, Scott. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, hey, that's like our ultimate dream news story, isn't it? A, 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 a lawsuit involving Nike over an NFT like that is doubled up podcast dream there isn't it but uh <laughs> but yeah no it, it, it was this makes complete sense like them bringing this out i'm just quite surprised of just how quickly they've moved again it, i'm pretty sure it was less than six months ago that nike bought artifact and the fact that they're already bringing something out means that they're really kind of all in on the the, the nft and the metaverse space um and uh, i think they've, they've gone a very interesting route for it with this kind of mystery box kind of loot box type thing because a lot of people were buying this uh, nft purely out of the mystery like holy shit customers of artifact have just received it like i think the people that have bought from artifact before a specific collection didn't have to pay for this themselves they were just sent this nft that is a collaboration with nike and then again other customers uh, had to purchase it but the whole idea of it being this kind of loot box mystery box type thing uh meant that the the cost of the nft has is, is quite high really for a first uh, first go so um very very interesting scott what do you think about this, mate? <laughs> it, it does make sense. The second it came, like it happened, you're like, well, I mean, not saying that it was anything kind of similar to the um, the whole uh, kind of StockX NFT thing. I think it was probably a bit of a coincidence more than anything else. But you know, we we knew they were coming out of the metaverse. They knew we would, they were going to walk into it at some point. Um, I still don't understand NFTs. That's the my main thing from this is like, I understand like say the randomness of it and the StockX thing, but you know StockX are being sued on the kind of copyright grounds and the image rights. But in terms of crypto and NFTs, I don't think they've actually legally done anything wrong because they can you can mint whatever. There's so many cases of people minting other people's work and getting away with it. I mean, there was one, there was a news story not that long ago about a company that set up a load of, created a load of NFTs based around using Minecraft imagery. They sold for millions and millions of dollars. And then they literally, the company that made them just disappeared off the face of the earth and walked off with the money. There's nothing they can do about it. Like it, it's so, it seems so kind of fragile in a way. um, And so unregulated that it still scares me. And maybe it's just me being kind of an old man scared of the future. But it is um, it is kind of weird. I just can't. Yeah, no, Scott, I, I think you're right to be afraid. Um, I'm afraid of it. I, you know, there's a bit of interest there, but it is the Wild West. And people who are very well versed in NFTs are able to take advantage of newbies who come in because they hear these big success stories about people. get. It's, it's the same thing about what if I told you you could make hundred thousand dollars five minutes would you not hear me out oh well okay fine you'd hear them out and then you buy into it and then you start to put a little bit of money into it and then guess what you start buying a bunch of and it's basically it's a stock market with images except it's a way more volatile it's like buying a shit ton of penny stocks yeah. and they give you a picture or a cartoon to go with your penny stock 
You don't you have no idea if it's going to blow up or, or go in the shitter. It's essentially Wolf of Wall Street. And the people who are in the inside know the stocks that they're pushing. They know the NFTs that they're pushing. When they all get together and they got a bunch of influence or they hire some influencers to help them pump up a stock, people can go out, disappear off into the sunset with your cash. Yeah. Super easy. And it happens, I would say, more than 50% of the time on really hyped up NFT projects. Yeah, I mean, my friend is very big into crypto and NFTs. And I've told kind of Matt this story previously where he was saying about, yeah, how he was trying to convince us essentially to buy into NFTs and crypto. And he said, you know, this NFT sold for millions of dollars. And the article he sent through, I read the article and it's like, yeah, but the guy who bought the NFT is the same guy who created the NFT. He has bought his own NFT. And because it's all anonymous... He basically just moving it from wallet A to wallet B and kind of moving it around, creating hype for his own product. And then other people bought the product on the basis they thought it was going to make money. And yeah, it's it's kind of down that laundering route. Um, and, you know, my dad, an accountant, is kind of they've been trying to delve into it. And they're very cautious of these people coming in, trying to offer them crypto and stuff like this because of how volatile it is. There's even been a BBC documentary that was pulled very last minute because of a crypto millionaire from a good old Birmingham and um, it turned out they did this whole documentary on it and then after doing a bit of digging they realized that it was all a scam Um, and again they had no clue absolutely no clue because it's so difficult because everything's anonymous everything's moving so quickly Um, and yeah you could spend a lot of money and I see it in a I kind of see some juxtaposition to sneaker reselling because there are a lot of people that have got into shoes because they think it's going to make them money. And the only positive I've seen and the only reason anybody has ever given me to invest into crypto or NFTs is to make money. And to me, it's like, well, isn't NFT artwork? Isn't this whole thing meant to be about the love of it, the arts rather than making but money? But it's not. It's it, not. It, and that's, that's the yeah, marketing see? pitch. The marketing pitch is artists can make residual income off of artwork that they've created, that they're putting up online, that they can retain intellectual property ownership to. I don't want to turn this into a legal podcast or anything like that. I'm not giving legal advice. I also want to clarify, I'm not giving legal advice. I'm not giving financial (laughs) advice. None of this is all just based on my understanding of, of seeing this 24 hours a day, seven days a week in the news cycle that I work in. But, um, that's the marketing pitch. It helps underdeveloped countries that are facing current, uh, you know, constant inflation buy into stable coins that are that exist uh, that are tethered to real life assets or that you can. There are so many different facets to this that you can explore, but um, you're not buying art, Scott, you're buying a receipt to the art. And that's the key difference here. People think that they're buying art and they're not buying art when you get there when you get to the marketplace, it's like going to a museum and saying, I'd like to buy that painting off the wall, please. They're like, okay, you now own this painting. Okay, great. You want me to bring the van around the front? No, no. Oh, well, sorry, sir. You don't get to bring this (laughs) home with you. We have to leave it in the museum. Uh, Oh, uh, all right. If you want, you could take a picture on your iPhone and put it everywhere you want on your background. Use your screensaver of your phone. You can put it as your Twitter picture. You can put it wherever you want and say that you own it. You know, there's the receipt right underneath the, the the painting in the museum. It'll tell you, tell everyone that Scott from Birmingham owns it. But but that's it. That's what you bought is a little plaque underneath the painting. You didn't buy the painting. So 
Um, and if you want, you could sell that I, I to somebody else. You it. could sell that to somebody else. And unfortunately, that's actually it. the way this is. It is a stock market. It's a virtual stock market. People can come in, buy things that there's absolute no ownership here besides the fact of owning the receipt mm. to the file. Um, and that's why people are always coming into it from an investor perspective. Can I buy this and can I flip it? Is it going to be rare? Is it going to be whatever? Mm. So. I think this is the biggest thing with NFTs is trying to explain and even trying to get my friend who is literally his Twitter feed has just become NFT kind of promotion network. If I screenshot your picture, your Twitter profile picture that you paid £500 for, what is the difference between me and you other than the fact you paid money for it? And he can't answer it. it they'll go with the blockchain. But if you don't understand the blockchain, it means fuck all. <laughs> and this is the thing if, if anybody is listening to this and knows a lot about nfts please contact me and tell me more because i'm very intrigued and i'm very interested to know more but at the moment i really struggle to see positives i really do it's really hard uh, i think uh i'm gonna say that I picked this news story because I finally understood what ETH was and I finally understood what a floor price was and the two of you in the space of 10 minutes have completely bamboozled me. I'd like to point out it's, it's not called ETH. Yeah, I know. It's just, ETH is an abbreviation. Yeah, I know, I know, but so I understood clear. actually what it was. Like, I didn't actually know how to pronounce it. But yeah, um, is it Ethereum or something like that? I'm yeah, pretty sure that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, I know what it is. Shut, shut up, Scott. Um, but that's no Dogecoin though. You've lost me there already. I think with that, I think we're going to move. I wanted to, I wanted to have a little like, you know, when you go on holiday and you get a bit hot and you dip your toe in the pool, I feel like I dipped my toe in and I slipped and now I'm like floating to the bottom of the pool. Um, so I'm going to very quickly call on my good friend, the lifeguard, AKA real life sneakers to drag me out before I drown and move on to our next news story. Uh, I've painted a very bleak picture there but i'm going to move on to something a little bit nicer um and that is the recent um auction for the louis vuitton uh, virgil kind of off-white nike air force one auction with sotheby's um this is a really, really cool story. Obviously, with the passing of uh, Virgil Abloh, this is something that have uh, has a lot of eyes on it at the minute. Um, as we know, we saw over the last few months that various pairs of Louis Vuitton times Nike Air Force Ones have been sent out to various influencers and things like this. And um, uh, essentially, the kind of uh, the, the traditional um, kind of Louis Vuitton print pairs have uh, recently been sold on. So the bees um, which we know as uh, a, an auction house essentially that over recent years have been dealing with high-end um, sneakers so game-worn sneakers from Jordan and kind of they, they, they did the hand-painted uh, pair of ZX and uh, lots of different sneakers and things like this so um, we've basically had uh, uh, the, the, the pairs sold there were 200 pairs um, that were sold in the kind of classic LV prints that kind of brown and cream uh, Louis Vuitton print that we see on uh, the, their garments and we have done for, for years and years and years um, with a massive total of 25.3 million dollars um, in uh, total 
uh, earnings, essentially, which is absolutely crazy. Um, there were multiple pairs of shoes that sold for over $100,000 a pair, with the highest pair sold for a whopping $352,800, which was in a men's size 5. Um, so here in the UK, we're talking about a men's size 4. Um, and it says here on Complex, according to the auction house, this is the only size of the shoe to be produced so that is a one-of-a-kind shoe no one else in the world is going to have it and it says on the opposite end of the spectrum the lowest price for the shoe was sold for seventy-five thousand six hundred. Now, um, the uh, amazing thing about this particular release is uh, all of the, uh, the proceeds of this, um, uh, the, the pro 100% of the proceeds from this release and from the sales are going towards the Virgil Abloh Postmodern Scholarship Fund and will benefit academically inclined black fashion students. So even after the passing of Virgil Abloh, we are uh, seeing yet more amazing things that his designs are doing. Um, but yeah, th th this is more of a feel-good story i don't suppose there's going to be huge amounts of uh, opinions on this one other than how bloody insane is that for those prices and uh, regardless what you regardless whether you feel as if these shoes are worth that amount of money or whether you would personally pay that amount of money for those shoes the fact that 25.3 million has been um uh, has been raised essentially obviously the proceeds are going to be going to uh, the scholarship fund 25.3 all of that i assume isn't going to be going to the the scholarship fund but that's still a shitload of money that is going to benefit uh, acad uh, academically um, uh, in inclined black fashion students so overall very very good but Scott any thoughts opinions anything to add to that I mean from what I gather 100% of the proceeds are going to the charity yeah but I, I, I think um, the the 25.3 is the grand total sold but obviously the, the, the proceeds you've got to factor in the cost of the shoe and things like that haven't you so in, in yeah, that instance well, the, the yeah, full 25 assuming, million won't I'm assuming but, they didn't I'm assuming they didn't cost that I was going to say there's still a shitload of money there's still a shitload of money that's going to, to, to an amazing fund it, it, it's only a positive isn't it like say I think it's the right thing to do those those shoes were rumored obviously before um virgil's kind of passing but yeah the, i have seen some rather bitter messages saying that these shoes should have just been released to the public and stuff but i think this is 100 percent the right thing to have done because i'm sorry like what you're going to release it to the public so it can be resold and then just cause carnage doing what it doesn't do anything it doesn't benefit anybody 100% I think doing it in this way mad money raised but I guarantee the people that are bidding on these shoes are probably you know people that knew Virgil people that knew the cause that he stood for and just wanted to donate money um, and it was a good way to do it um, you know just raising the value of these to quite frankly eye-watering and astronomical figures but you know, it's going to a 100% worthy cause. So, yeah, there's only positives to be said about this. And also with that as well, like the point you've made is this was if this was a general release and they were going to get resold, if it was a general release, you wouldn't be selling one of these pairs for $300,000. Um, at least now, yeah. let's say, for example, someone has bought it in a few years' time, they flip it. Well, the initial money has still gone to something that is worthwhile if this was a general release it probably would have ended up just going to the pockets of nike and then well, yeah 
Yeah, I saw some some kind of comments. Um, very, very few, I might add, but I did see some comments saying, well, if they'd have just mass-produced this shoe and mass-released it to the public, they would have made loads of money. But then you've made more shoes, which means your overheads are more. And realistically, you're still at making that amount of money because that is astronomical figures. Um, so it's just silly, and I think it's just people getting a little bit upset that they may never own these shoes, quite frankly. But to be honest, unless you're reselling them and, uh, you know, giving the money to charity, which I'm sure lots of resellers do, then, um, yeah, quite frankly, do one. Well, Matt, any thoughts or opinions on this one? I mean, there's not much for me to say on it. It's, you know, yeah. it's... it's uh, it, all that said is, is has been said. It's a good good cause for this for the money. Um, my only question is, who the fuck would you be buying this to flip it to? Who has the amount of money yeah. that is more than what you spent on auction? Like you bought it way above. Like if you've set the floor price at four, floor price at hundred thousand dollars, oh, where yeah. is there to go? People have a hard no, enough time no, trying yeah, to no, flip the Dior once. So I mean, it's uh, no one's no one no one's selling this for three hundred quid on StockX, are they? To to Joe Blogs down the road, yeah. I, I just thought I'd like. So I wanted to bring us down to an, the the nice fluffy world, the nice happy fluffy rainbow fueled world that that I live in, rather than the metaverse. And like I say, congratulations to <laughs> all parties involved. <laughs> well, uh, Louis Vuitton, Nike, Sotheby's, everyone involved. Really, really good cause. So uh, it's it's cool to see that amount of money. Sadly, though, um, I've just read a news story that uh, Man United's kit sponsor um, is now a blockchain company. So I'm going to have to learn a lot more about this, apparently. Well, if you like to, if you followed a decent sport like basketball, mate, you wouldn't have this problem. But anyways, that's all the news for this week. Okay, so Matt, you've been brought back into the Doubled Up podcast studio and we're going to move on to our next segment, which we call Double Up, Double Down. Uh, Every single week, we spend a little bit of time looking into the future. We pick an upcoming release uh, that we like, aka Double Up, um, an upcoming release that we don't like, aka a Double Down, and one that we think is going to fly a little bit under the radar, our sleeper pick. This week, Scott is taking the segment. So without further ado, I'm passing over to Scott for Double Up, Double Down. Thank you kindly. I really hope when or if we ever record an episode in person in a proper studio, we do actually get our guests to stand up and walk to another studio whenever we change segments. That's going to cost us more money, though. It's already going to cost us money to it hire is, somewhere. But... but, I mean, it's worth it for the for the, I, for the joke. I feel like yeah. it'd be worth it just for the joke. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> double up. Oh, this is a good double up. This is a very good double up. This could arguably be... My favourite double up this year. It is the Nike SB Dunk Low Premium Paisley. Finally, this shoe is releasing on the 19th of February. It's a thing of beauty. It's a thing of beauty. Brown Paisley kind of canvas upper. Pink, green, blue hits in the Paisley pattern. Brown leather piping. White leather swoosh. White laces. White midsole, gum outsole, everything about this is beautiful. I absolutely love it. Julia, if you're listening, Paisley is not dead. It never will die, seeing as uh, she was decided to make that very bold claim. Um, but these are... I, I am going to get everybody 
that owes me any favours from anywhere in the world to be trying to get me a pair of these shoes. And if I don't, I'm going to spend stupid money to get them. Um, I, I need this shoe, as Matt very much knows. Um, but I'll, I'll throw it over to, to Matt O, seeing as this is going to get very confusing as I've got two Matts here, um, for your thoughts, because I'm sure um, Matts will be... Uh, probably already heard Matts, to be honest, the amount I've spoken about this shoe. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's a grandmother's couch shoe, if you want that, you know. <laughs> it legit looks like a grandmother's couch, Scott. So, I mean, I, I, I uh, you know, there's dad shoes, and, and now I guess you have gra- grandma shoes, gam-gam shoes. So these are not for me. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Scott. Fine by me. Matt, Fine by me. I tell you what, Matt, this has actually made my evening uh, by the time we're recording because, like I said, Scott has been saying this from the minute we saw uh, leaked images. He has said, oh my God, I need this shoe. This is like the best shoe of, that has ever existed, essentially. And he has just gone over and over and over again about how much he loves this shoe. And I said a couple of weeks ago, if my week for Double Up, Double Down falls on the week this shoe releases, I'm not going to include it just to piss him off. And what has happened is even better. Our guest has come on and said, I don't like it. Like, that is the perfect... I'm sorry, the, the shoe itself, actually, to give my opinions on the shoe, I actually do quite like the shoe. Um, but when I've never <laughs> heard Scott give such a positive light on a shoe for our guest to be like, looks like my grandma's couch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just... Hey, you know what I appreciate the, just the best part is, oh. it's going to be in a lot of resale shops. You know how everybody likes to vacuum seal their shoes with plastic? So it will literally be it, it will, will literally like, be stuffed yeah, satin shelves wrapped in vacuum type plastic that people won't be able to take off because the shoe will not sell. So that's anyway. Sorry, that's my very honest two cents. It's just oh, not for me. Dear. I I'm I'm very happy with honest opinion. I like I say Paisley is uh, yeah. The Paisley is, Prince is I'm talking. So like, yeah. I'm a very much a fan of Paisley. There there is a lot of Paisley dunks in Air Force Ones. Um, appearing at the moment but this is yeah phenomenal and i'm expecting you know sb dunk normally very good quality the fact it's a premium dunk as well i imagine it's going to be absolutely phenomenal quality um how hard these will be to get hold of um don't know um but the last time i willed them into existence and put a sb dunk as a double up was the street hawkers and i did manage to get a win on that so we're putting it into existence it will happen let's see but Moving on to the double down, and th- th- this was a very tricky one. Um, Matt was saying, so, mate, what's the double up, double down for this week? And I was like, I've got the double up, I've got a sleeper pick, but I cannot find a double down. And somehow, literally, as he sent that, these got loaded up onto sneakers. So, unfortunately, they get picked. Um, and that is the Nike Why Not 0.5 HTG. Releasing on the 17th of February at £135. Um, Russell Westbrook's next shoe. Um, this time it's a collaboration with his own clothing label, um, Honor the Gifts. Um, it, it's a nice colourway, nice kind of cream um, cream and gum colours, lots of nice materials, corduroy, nylon, gum sole. It's quite an aggressive silhouette. Um, and it's definitely one for those that probably play basketball, but I can't see this being seen as much of a lifestyle shoe. Um, and as many people know, I'm I'm not really into basketball. Um, so for me, it, yeah, it just doesn't really do anything for me. I like the colorway, 
but um, the shoe itself, yeah, just uh, not for me on this one. So, uh, Matt. Yeah, I think this is a little bit of a cheat for, for us this week. And because of the fact that, rightfully so, Scott, there was a minute where we were t- potentially putting the playoff, or me and Scott were talking beforehand, and the playoff 12s almost became the double down, which for anyone that is into um, Jordan's, the playoffs are a very, very iconic shoe and we'd probably um, end up kind of being torn apart for putting an iconic Jordan colorway and an iconic (laughs) Jordan silhouette as the double down for the week. Um, Like I said, this isn't our wheelhouse. We don't normally talk about basketball shoes. Um, For me, being a a basketball fan um, and knowing a lot of people that do play basketball, I'm quite surprised that Russell Westbrook has almost got to a fifth um, silhouette with Jordan yeah. because I don't hear a lot of people talk about this shoe in the conversation. If we're talking about modern shoes that basketball, basketball players really, really enjoy playing in, for the majority, it is, say, the latest Jordan shoe. So I think at the minute we're the Jordan 36, aren't we? A lot of people rave about um, uh, Kyrie's. A lot of people like a KD. These, to me... Uh, kind of fall into the same vein as like a, a Paul George signature shoe. It's like PG is currently released the PG6. Um, and as much as he's a Clippers player and I absolutely love Paul George, I think for a lot of basketball fans, it's like, why are you still giving Paul George signature shoes when no one really appreciates the the, the line all that much? Um, so yeah, it makes sense. It doesn't really fit into our narrative. We don't really do basketball shoes. And also... Um, yeah, it's, it's Russell Westbrook. So, yeah. Um, he plays for the Lakers, so I can give him shit. Uh, Matt, over to you, mate. I don't know. Again, uh, definitely, you know, on the I definitely see the, the, the double down there. But um, the sneaker, I mean, it's not – it's weird. I'm seeing a lot of design cues from the Nike Hirachi Drift. If you guys look at the Hirachi Drift and you look at the inside of that mm. shoe, it looks a, a lot like the inside of this shoe. Um, kind of got that jagged piece at the very, yeah. very back of the heel. Um, and then the outsole's got all these points, kind of all these peaks and valleys in the in the midsole that are very, I don't know, very reminiscent. I th- I feel of the the design of the Harachi Drift. So I mean, I don't find it that bad. Yeah. I think it's better than the Paisley shoe almost. But I would be, <laughs> <laughs> I'm down on both. Um, I'm down on both. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, that's where I stand on this. Matt, you can come again. Thank you very much for making my evening. Um, uh, Scott? I thought thought the Hirachi Drift was shit as well, so there we go. (laughs) Anyway, sleeper Uh, pick for the week. Sleeper pick. And this is a shoe that I'm very intrigued about. I very much like the images I've seen so far. And the sleeper pick for this week is the Homework Times Saucony Jazz 81 Carnival Black. So Trinidad James is back with his second shoe with Saucony after his Sorrel Red colorway. Um, This time taking inspiration from the carnivals um, of his hometown of Trinidad and Tobago. Um, And it's launching in Black History Month, so perfect time to celebrate um, the Do Your Homework brand, and to celebrate a piece of um, culture and history from his home country. Um, the makeup of the shoe, so it's a traditional Saucony Jazz 81, very similar to the first pair if you've seen the very bright 
um, kind of very in-your-face um, red Sorkinis that were kind of cropping around around ComplexCon and things like that. Um, a triple, <laughs> triple glow-in-the-dark outsole um, that glows in three different colours, which I'm sure Matt is thrilled about, um, made up of soft premium leathers, brush suede, and a translucent toe box. Um, tinted translucent should I say the Saucony stripe on the side is also made of the kind of translucent material um, with heel tabs and um, tongue spelling out the homework logo in gold lots of branding um, kind of like I say on the heel on the thing with the Saucony logo down the side they're very nice um, very nice the idea behind the colour is taken from the steel pan drums um, and it has embroidery on the inside paying homage um, to those. And yeah, it just it just looks like a really, really nice clean shoe. But the only thing is, I'm yet to see anybody wearing them. And because it's translucent, that makes all the difference. Um, but these are releasing via the Homework site um, February 16th. And we'll have a global release um, via Saucony um, on February 18th coming in at $110, so you're probably looking around £100-ish. Um, and, yeah, um, they, they look really nice. All of the images so far, it's so clean, so nice, but just want to see somebody wearing them because that translucent toe box makes all the difference. It really does. Matt, what do you I think? think he went, well, design choice-wise, I mean, Trinidad James always talking about his dad socks that are like Gucci you know motif inspired um they're really cool but you lost me at translucent toe box um i'm just i used to think that those were cool and now everybody has a bunch of translucent toe boxes um you know i also used to think tearaway material was cool on shoes now there's a ton of shoes that have tearaway material so i feel like Big gimmick is, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Translucent for me is just, you lost me there. The colorway and everything I, looks kind of cool in a product shot. Um, yeah, but really I, I just, you know, it's definitely not for me, but I, I see the appeal. I think with the translucent toe box, I think the, the thing with this is, is because it's all translucent and knowing kind of my experience with the Element 87 that came out, and that was all translucent material, and the material just didn't. It it creased really this weirdly more, around your this foot. This looks a little bit more solid, though. The element. It yeah. looks it looks sturdy, yeah. That and I'm hoping that that is kind of how it will be when worn. Um, but I am very wary that unlike with the Clot Air Max One or the Clot Sakai, um, you know, there was other material that was kind of giving it some structure, whereas with these. Yeah, um, I'm very intrigued to see them on. And I'm intrigued to see this glow-in-the-dark outsole as well. Three different colours it glows. I mean, that is your dream, Matthew. Well, I'm about to eat every word that I've ever said about any of these features on a shoe because <laughs> I oh, this go. shoe, like Scott said, is everything that I should hate. There is not only a translucent toe box, there is a massive translucent toe box because, as Scott said, if you look at the clots... That I hated uh, because of the fact that it was it, it's basically like just the top, isn't it? There were other materials that mm. kind of like it was just the actual 
toe box, whereas this, like, the mudguard is also translucent. Like, there's a lot yep. of translucent material there. Um, but if anyone saw, if anyone's seen anyone wear the red on foot, it's that the tint is really, really dark. Like you have to be wearing some really, really bright socks to kind of like really see. It's almost like you can, you know, when a shoe has like really loose knit and you can kind of see the color on the sock, but you can't see it so prominently. That's what the red pair kind of looks like. And you would assume with a dark translucent like the black that it would be kind of similar. So you'd, you'd be able to see someone's sock, but not in the same detail as a completely clear toe box. Um, but I, I just weirdly love this shoe so much um i don't understand why again it's translucent toe box so i shouldn't like it it's got glow in the dark on it three different glow in the darks i hate glow in the dark and i love the idea of having three glow in the darks on here i don't know what on earth has happened because it's not even a silhouette that i have any sort of personal attachment to i've never owned a pair of jazz 81s i've only ever owned one pair of saucony in my life which was a pair of saucony aya so i have no real understanding why i love this shoe so much but it just looks so clean that i really really want a pair of these um mm. so yeah uh, scott the way you feel about that paisley dunk is almost kind of how i'm feeling about this shoe i just think it's brilliant and i don't really know why because it should be something i hate it, it the product shots like matt said that they, they look phenomenal they, the quality looks amazing the kind of more detailed looks the leather looks so premium. The suede looks amazing. Yeah. Um, they, to be fair, they'd be a very good work shoe for me. If that translucent toe box is quite solid and wipes off this clean. All the, every this single is... time there's a black shoe, good. you go, this is a good work shoe for me. For me working in a corporate world, it absolutely baffles me that you can look at this and go, yeah, it's a decent work shoe. And there was something that you were looking at the other day that we were having a conversation with in a group chat and you went... Oh, if they went like, they were like, oh yeah, if I could grab a pair, that'd be a really good work shoe. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it was like the Bad Bunny forums. I'm like, how on earth can you get away with Bad no, Bunny forums for work shoes? The, I um, don't understand def- it. It might have been, was it the um, Sean Wotherspoon superstar yeah, the that went Sean into sales? The Sean superstars, and you're yeah. going, it's a good work shoe. How the fuck is that a work shoe? I, 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 I work in preschool reception whatever we got international i thought we'd kind of mix it up a bit that's but, worse than yeah, they said, you know it's because of all those distracting ass tassels hanging off of that mess of a shoe that people can get you know they get interested oh you cut and you play cut around off. with them like cats <laughs> <laughs> they're the most atrocious shoes oh, to ever lovely. hit the market and, oh dear the I the the Shaw Motherspoons NX eight thousand when I've worn that into work that has got a, a lot of a uh, lot of interest from teachers and uh, and par- and um, parents and um, the children they they love them they they're great um, but yeah on, on that note because um, I need to compose myself again um, I'm gonna pass back over to Matt I think for <laughs> for the final segment oh yeah well before we move on to our final segment um, I do just want to remind everyone that double up double down is in connection with tidy tie dye so if there are any of the shoes that uh, we have spoken translucent shoe I... Mike it's a tr- another translucent Mike, shoe 
start making some Saucony socks and you're going to be fucking raking it in, mate. Um, but anyways, uh, as we're saying, if uh, if there are any of the shoes that uh, we've spoken about today that you like the look of and you would like to buy some socks to accompany those shoes, then make sure you go over to at tidy underscore tidy on Instagram. Um, and you can also find their products on Sneak Supply as well. So go and buy socks. Uh, no one does tie-dye and bleach uh, and uh, kind of block-dye socks better than they do. So yeah, um, but now we've kind of paid the bills and well, haven't paid the bills because Mike doesn't pay us, but um, we've plugged the appropriate <laughs> plugs. Um, <laughs> I'm rambling here, so I'm going to move on very, very quickly. Matt, you have almost made it out alive and you have come to your final challenge of the podcast. Um, last time you were here, you took on the infamous rotation game. So therefore, this time we have the situation game. It has been so long since I've actually had to do that intro that I forgot how I do that intro. So that could be very, very different to our usual episodes. But as we said, Matt, you've almost made it to the end of the podcast. We have one more challenge in front of you. We don't like our guests uh, leaving without playing a little bit of a game um, just to kind of end the podcast. And this week's game, seeing as you've already taken on the rotation game, is the situation game. Anyone new listening that has no idea what we are doing, plus old listeners that probably can't remember this game, I am going to uh, present Matt with five different situations all Matt has to do is tell us which shoes in his collection he would wear for that situation uh, Matt do you understand the rules of the game let's do this okay um, the first question I actually took straight from the last time we used this game uh, which was good friend of the podcast Ryan um, so the first situation that I'm putting you in Matt and you just have to tell me what shoe you would wear for the situation is what would you wear to meet your celebrity idol for the first time so this is a two-part question number one who's the celebrity idol number two what shoe are you wearing oh my celebrity idol i you know what the funny thing is it's when you're put on the spot you actually don't remember it's really difficult who... i mean if it wasn't for the fact that i have a massive crush on the rock um it would it's not very difficult for me but uh if i can imagine for other people being put on the spot this is very very difficult celebrity idol oh my god paulo grady <laughs> so you're saying that Matt from Canada, his celebrity idol is Paul O'Grady. Guys. Maybe. Matt probably doesn't know who Paul O'Grady is, so that is completely lost on me. I'm going to... You know what? I'm going to have to go with uh, anyone... Any, maybe... Like, go with Corey Taylor from Slipknot, the lead singer at Slipknot. Um, I'm going to say... Okay, very good one. Now yeah. we're talking. Yeah, okay. metalhead over here. It's very rare. Everybody's usually gravitates toward hip hop. I'm like one of the few people that's like really big into metal and shit. But uh, let's. I'm gonna go with Corey Taylor, and I have to. I have to what pick shoe? a shoe to meet him in. Uh, yeah. Um, I just. I just want him to serenade me with his acoustic version of Snuff. <sighs> just so you can every just day. Cry. Um, I will. <laughs> Wow, yeah, which shoe would I wear to meet Happy tears, Slipknot? Happy tears. I guess I'd wear I wanna wear something that makes him go like, dude, what the fuck is that? 
because I know that he tends to like flip out about some of that shit. I go with maybe a pair of black and black and white Reebok Kamikazes. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you've got some bold shapes on the side of that shoe, so yeah, hundred percent the Kamikaze. And I mean, still, still some surprisingly like weirdly wearable because of the colors right like if you had a fairly muted fit like you could still wear a kamikaze and it would look good because of the fact that it's just black and white it's just got some crazy shapes on it so i think you've done well there you've picked well there um moving on second situation matt um seeing as you are from my favorite country in the world canada and seeing as canada has had a shitload of snow recently um what shoe would you wear if you were in a massive snowball fight? Uh, well, I wouldn't go with a shoe. I'd go with a boot. I'd go with some Tims for sure. I mean, that's what we, that's what I rock year, not year round, all winter long are Tims. If I had to go with like a more shoe, like, cause everyone would be wearing Tims. If I had to go with a more like shoe-y boot, like a sneaker not a sneaker yeah, boot okay. shoey kind of related okay. boot i'd go with the ac acw uh a cold wall um lug, uh, converse lug high boot um it's the okay. gray it's that gray boot that's really nice. like chunky midsole yeah, 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 the yeah. problem is i know that yeah. they're not waterproof having tested it in the rain before it's got this like rip stop upper that your feet get soaked so might not be the best in Wouldn't the snow, snow but it's fight. the coolest one if I had to like flex and that it wasn't a Timberland. So you'd look the coolest in the <laughs> snowball fight. So that's all that matters. I mean, sometimes you've got to sacrifice uh, function for for fashion. Um, well, okay, round three, situation number three. Sorry, uh, seeing as we are kind of bridging the, the bridging the gap between uh, uh, the UK and Canada here, um, I want to know what shoe would you wear. If you were on holiday in the UK. Oh, uh, and you know what the funny thing is? I'm like planning a trip to uh, Europe. <laughs> and I definitely, I want to. Oh, there we go. So we're just Exactly. I want to stop off. I want to stop <laughs> off in London um, to meet some of you guys. Just chop it up in person. I would definitely be, I'm just going to have to whittle this down here. It's either, I'm, I'm looking at my new balances. It's either uh, the ZX Flaming Moes or um, the, um, Shit, I'm forgetting the name. The Year of the Ox New Balance in red and black. Oh. The 920. You've, uh, yeah, either of those, mate. If you were in London and we met up, I'd be happy with those. ZX fan, 920s, you're speaking my language. Yep, either of those, I'm happy. I'm happy. Um, it's, it's quite a good little, quite, I like it. I like it. Um, situation number four. Seeing as earlier, you spent a great amount of time um, talking uh, about the influence uh, of your shoe. Um, obviously, the, the, the railway collection and the, the, the 002 from Volker. Um, and the, the influence being the uh, construction of the railway um, tracks. I thought we'd have a little bit of a railway-themed situation. So, what would you wear if you were to be a train conductor for the day? <sighs> probably scott's famous paisley shoes because i wouldn't give a shit if they got beat up on the job <laughs> <laughs> no but shoes that i own um seri seriously Honestly. though um seriously though if i was a train conductor man oh 
I mean, surely I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I've laid you up for an alley. I mean, I'll like, go with my the railway shoes the... that I designed because yeah, you know, the color say. palette is 100 <laughs> there. Um, so I definitely go with the Volcara Railway uh, 002s. Uh, and if I had to go with a you know a more recognized fan uh, favorite shoe, I'd go with the New Balance Jeff Staple. What are they? Five, seven, fours or so? Ooh, gray okay, and white? Yeah, yeah, I like those, yeah. I'm not totally sure what it is. Oh, especially, yeah. I mean, if you're on the train in London, gray and white fits in uh, fits in nicely uh, combining two of the situations in one and the very last situation Matt the one that confuses the hell out of people every single time and I don't know why I still ask it but I'm still going to ask it uh, what shoe would you wear if you were ever to be a guest on the Doubled Up podcast Oof. I'm wearing a fucking Paisley dunk oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I uh, I don't know why but I you know it would probably be one of the Volcar shoes but if I'm not being self promo uh it'd probably be the uh, uh, the Turduncans um Oh yeah, when I think of the Tadunkan, you are what? Like, there's a, there's a few people that I know that really really love the Tadunkan, and you are one of the people that is on that list. Uh, as well as that, I'm a, I am actually a little bit surprised that the Air Max ninety Bacon hasn't somehow come into any of these situations. I was gonna say, um, or the mind. Bacon. In my, in my eyes, you are the Bacon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Either of those, you're you're doing all right though. You're yeah. doing all right. Actually, I have um, I have one situation for you guys, and this this might be a more realistic course. situation than any of them, uh, Matt. And it's a little bit more for me and you. What are we wearing to Scott's okay. wedding? <laughs> I already know. I'm I'm wearing the Jordan 15 Kubos. Okay. Still okay. Super rare shoe, thousand fifteen right. pairs made, maybe. Super rare shoe, all black with bits of collar on each one. Each one slightly done. The leather done up differently on each one slightly. Really cool ninja sleek kind of tech wear looking aesthetic uh jordan 15 uh boot kind of removed and redone with like a neoprene lining with a zipper on it yeah um so that's really cool but yeah scott i'm showing up in those i'm flexing hard man nice well i mean whenever it happens whenever the, the wedding happens um i'm in two minds because i feel as if i have a real opportunity to just really annoy scott all evening um, or I can actually take it seriously and wear something that's going to look all right with a suit. So the uh, I, I feel as if, if it's something that I own, because I don't own a lot of shoes that are going to go with a suit, um, something that I own would potentially be the Casablanca 327s, the white and black pair, some nice suede, some leathers in there. Like that's uh, being a black, white and grey leather shoe can kind of I, I can see that working maybe with a bit of a slim suit um but let's be honest it's going to have to be the concept zx9000 because i really want to annoy scott the fact that i'm wearing tinfoil shoes at his wedding so um that that has to be the answer that has to be the, the rocket answer. man there we go. Man. yeah 100 and i'd also i'd probably wear a sequin sh- uh, sequin suit if i was if i was doing it as well just to really annoy him um, I, it, it, but... it, it wouldn't annoy me i would love it I would absolutely love it because it would it would literally be every Photoshop I've ever made of you just coming true. In real, and in real life. that is to me is absolutely perfect. I mean, I'm gonna wear a Paisley Dunk, so it's absolutely fine. Like I know what I'm doing, <laughs> but there we are. Uh, 
I feel as if Scott earlier on you were saying I respect the fact that Matt doesn't like the Paisley dunk. I feel the more the longer this podcast is going on, the more insulted you're getting that he doesn't like the, yeah, uh, the Paisley I, dunk. I, I love the fact that he's assuming he's getting an invite now after what he's been saying on this podcast, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> uh, don't worry, Matt. You'll have to coincide your trip to London with uh, Scott's wedding, and I'll sneak you in or something like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll help you. I'll boost you I'll over your, the fence. Or I could just like be that. your plus one. We'll just, you know what, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll um, we'll ha- Scott, we'll have to like all three of us will coincide, and we'll have to make sure that my uh, my girlfriend's away doing something. But or I'll, 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 I'm sure she'll be fine with it. I'm sure she'll be fine with it. But um, but anyways, I, I think that is a, a perfect situation for us to end the podcast. Matt, thank you so much for for coming on, um, uh, blessing us again with your presence and, and talking to us about another amazing shoe. Again, just for all the listeners, make sure that when this podcast releases, you are going onto the Volker um, Instagram, checking out the shoe, uh, having a little look at the story. Uh, and what, what, like I said, on that Friday, um, the 18th, when the pre-orders uh, kick in, pre-order the shoe you will not regret it um but with that in mind thank you for listening to another episode of the doubled up podcast remember if you like this episode leave us a five-star rating and review and share the podcast with your friends and family make sure you follow at doubled up podcast on instagram and use hashtag doubled up pod to be featured on the instagram page you can find me matt at matt underscore sibley underscore on instagram scott tell the listeners where they can find you find me at underscore sneaker teacher and Matt, we're rolling out the red carpet for you, mate. Tell the listeners where they can find you absolutely everywhere. Thanks again, boys, for having me on. Uh, you guys can all check me out at M-A-T-T-O-H-M-T-L. That's my personal account, Matt O-M-T-L. Um, and you can check out Volcar at V-O-L-E-C-O-E-U-R underscore. Again, that's both on Instagram. And the drop will happen on the 18th for pre-orders on Volcar.com. And you guys will be able to head over there and read the story um, that we discussed on the podcast as well. Thank you very much, guys. Speak to you next time. Goodbye. See you.